Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the Resource Room Podcast. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm very excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you today all about kind of the beginning of the year and how we can prepare. And just to tell listeners a little bit, you posted in a group for TPT sellers about, hey guys, I'm so excited. I just wanted to share with people who understand, I just published a book. And as I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, Lindsay, you have to talk to my the listeners of my podcast. So could you share a little bit about yourself? What have you done in education? And then we'll talk a little bit about those things that we can do at the beginning of the school year. Totally. Yeah. So I've been in education for nine years now, which seems crazy to me. And this book that I created has literally been my, basically my career's work. It's all the learnings the mistakes and the reflections that I've had. And it actually started with a student teacher that I had. And it was actually the year that I was pregnant with my son. And it started as a list of questions, which I realized very quickly, okay, this is overwhelming and no one's going to want to read this. But I wanted to be able to help her. And then I was like, well, wait, if I can help her, I can help other first year teachers too, because we all know when you go into the classroom, you step foot, all that learning you do, you're like, wait, I don't know anything. Well, what am I supposed to do here? And so that's where it started. And then, you know, flash forward, I had my son. And then I realized a lot of the things I had been doing needed to change still. And so then I went into and I said, okay, well, now what's important? What do we really need to focus on? And so I had a huge, you know, I took a step back as an educator at that point and said, okay, I need to do some things different. And I need to revamp what I even told my student teacher, because, you know, every, every year you have in the classroom, every group of students in front of you, you just continue to learn more and grow as a person too. And, you know, my son was really a catalyst for that change. And so then I decided, okay, now let's revamp this again. And then, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the big three and how that can help support you at the beginning of the year. But those are the really important things that I learned and still continue to learn as an educator, because even as a parent and now as a teacher, we just continue to grow and get better and do better. And two, we're lifelong learners. We want to always change and get better. And for me, I say, I am not the teacher now that I was five years ago. And I hope I'm not the same teacher in five years that I am right now. Yes. And I was telling you too, before we hit record, I said, you know, we always say you don't know what you don't know. And I think your book kind of points out all the things that you don't know. So that you have to start thinking about it and planning for some of those things so that you're not caught off guard of like, whoa, I didn't plan for that. Yeah. And there really is. It's just like you said, there are so many things that we don't know. And it's not until we're living it and doing it. And, you know, like every single group, there's always students who's going to teach you something new and help you do better for them and for future students that you just didn't even know. You're like, what do I do with this? I had no idea. 
even too like the pandemic, there are things that like I learned about special education and the kind of holes I had in my system because I mean, not that I was glad it happened, but it's like, whoa, I didn't realize that that was such a weakness until you have something major, having a baby, the pandemic, you know, a, a troubling student, really high, really low, whatever it is that changes you. Totally. And I think the pandemic really did help us realize what matters more than anything with our students is those relationships and those connections. And we all know being isolated, not being able to be face to face, like we just as humans crave those interactions. And that just helped us realize like that should be our main focus above anything else that we do with our students is first we need to love them before we can teach them. One of my favorite quotes is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's so true. Because if you think about even when you, maybe you have a new coach, maybe you have a new principal, maybe you have a new team and they're like, hey, check out this great idea. How much do you actually care about that or trust them until you know them? It's so important. And that is exactly the same thing for our students at the beginning of the year too. You are exactly right. And if I remember right, that's one of your big three. So tell me about the big three, or maybe we could start with number one. What is the number one thing that teachers need to be doing or thinking about in advance to have a successful year? Yeah, so I always talk about the big three as big three umbrellas or puzzle pieces that all work together to give you the best classroom and the best experience for your students. And so I always start with setting up your classroom. When we think about setting up your classroom, you have to think about who that environment is for. What are we doing and what is our purpose? And I am huge on a student-centered classroom, which you'll hear me talk about more, but that's just the first step of a student-centered classroom is setting it up for them. It's our classroom and having to change that mindset from mine to ours. And it really not only helps the students, but it helps you too. You guys really form a bond and a community together when you take the time to you know, set it up as you can access everything. You can be independent. You can do this. And I teach littles and I've always taught first grade and even them at the beginning of the year, it's a little crazy. It's like crazy little cats everywhere that you have to herd up together. But by, you know, even eight weeks into school, if you do this big three, which starting with that classroom setup, you'll see how independent they are and how they can do it with you. And if you give them and say, I trust you, you're going to have access to everything in this classroom. And that's one thing that I always have a huge mind shift with mind shift with teachers is saying, you know, give them access to everything in the classroom. We mean band-aids, math manipulatives, literally everything they need, because then it takes the stress off of you, puts the responsibility on them, and then they feel empowered and know that they can do it. And that just right there, especially young kids, they're like, wait, what? I can do this? And you're like, yes, you can. You can do it. And I trust you to do it. And it it's just that shift right there, even for them. They're like, oh, like I'm responsible. I can do this without my teacher. And it's like, yeah, you can. And I trust you too. And you don't need me to solve all your problems for you. And so that that shift right there of, you know, when you go in and you you set up your classroom and you start thinking through, okay, you know, what kind of seating am I going to have? Am I going to have traditional seating with desks or am I going to try flexible seating? And that's another huge part of that I could go on a whole tangent about is a student-centered classroom is flexible seating. But then 
you know, organizing materials, again, giving them access to everything. And it's just, you know, in the, in the guide that I share, I, I walk you through a lot of like how to think through all of the things. And, you know, like Amanda said, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And so when you sit there and, and you make a plan for literally everything broken down, then by the time you walk into your classroom, you don't, you're not pacing around on the floor. You're not sure where to start. You don't have pile to pile to pile. You have a solid plan of like, I know exactly what I'm going to do and how it's going to benefit my students, which is the, the biggest piece of that whole thing. I think that's amazing. And then too, oftentimes we as teachers, you can't get in this, you can't do this, you can't, can't, can't. This is off limits. Wait till I hand things to you. That's not ever really teaching them a skill other than to listen to what I tell you not to do. But really, you're empowering them, teaching them procedures, letting them know, okay, if you do need a Band-Aid, what do you do? Is there a hand signal that you give? Do you just get up on your own and go to that area? You know, what are the procedures that go with that? That is absolutely amazing. You're teaching and encouraging them to be independent. Our kids need that so much. They really do. And especially those littles, like I said, it's like, even with my son, he's five and still at home, we do the same thing. Like you can get that on your own. You don't need me to do it. Are there spills? Yes. Does he make a mess? Yes, of course. Like they're kids. They're not perfect, but empowering them and showing them like, you don't need me to solve your problems. And oftentimes even the older kids are like, why need the teacher? No, you don't. Like, let me give you the skills you need to be able to do this without me. And then again, the whole, like the whole reason I created this guide is to support teachers, to make teachers more comfortable, give them the tools they need so that you are happier. You are less stressed. You are overwhelmed. You go home happier in the day because you didn't, you know, it's that quote that we see you that we make more minute by minute decisions than doctors do. It really is exhausting. We have that decision fatigue, but this is how you alleviate some of that stress and some of that put on yourself because a lot of us are type A, want to be in control. This is how it has to be. And I'm not saying that we don't still have control, but we're we're letting go some of that control and showing them that, hey, you got this too. And I don't have to be everything for you. What kind of problems do some teachers maybe have as they begin implementing this? Because I could see in theory, it sounds great. You have access to everything like at home, you know, my, it's mine, it's yours, we share, we work together. What problems, though, have maybe you talked to educators and, and seen them experience? So there, there were a couple of like huge ahas that I always experience with educators when I start, you know, trying to shift that mindset towards the hours from mine, because it really is a big shift. And it does take some different tools than you may have, you know, especially if you're a first year teacher and you're just jumping out the, the gun. So I will say one of the biggest shifts is of course the procedures, which I will talk about. And that's one of the big three. That's that, that's that last puzzle piece, but how you teach your procedures is where you're going to be able to hand the reins over to students, show them that they can do that independently. And it is a really big shift and what we're expecting and what we're teaching students, but that's how you make it successful. Cause yeah, like you said, of course I can make my classroom set up and I'd be like, go, you're free. Well, that's, that's not going to work out how we want exactly, but we'll, we'll talk about those procedures and how to, you know, shift and teach students how 
this is just the what, what are we going to do and why we do it. But we'll talk about the how with the procedures because that really is like a huge piece of it. And then something that I always share and we can, you know, get into the second part of that puzzle is classroom community. You know, I always tell teachers, and this is a huge shock to a lot of teachers, is you have to spend a solid six weeks building your classroom community and your classroom management with students. And a lot, a lot of times when I say that, they're like, wait, what? I can't do that. What One, what am I going to do for six weeks? Two, how am I going to do this? Three, I need to start curriculum. And so that's where we talk a lot about K. Because I, I also hear from a lot of teachers that, well, my principal says I have to start week one or the district, you know, watches us and we have to get into curriculum and we have stuff starting on, you know, day two. And that's where you'll hear me say, <laughs> for right or wrong, I'm always one to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Because when you spend the six weeks and you take the time to build your classroom, which we'll talk more about and strategies for that. And then your classroom management, I'm telling you, and this is a huge shift, is your classroom will almost run itself. And this is part of it. All three of these things work together. When we give them the access, give them the trust and the responsibility, then we alleviate that stress for us. And then we build the community and we spend the time, like we talked about in the pandemic, about how you know we, we crave connection. We need to build relationships. When you spend six weeks you know, working on your team and how you work together as a team, getting to know students individually, whether you're using connection circles, morning meetings, there's so many great tools out there. And I do talk a lot about them in the guide and really getting to know each individual student and what makes them them, how to connect with them. So they feel valued, they feel empowered, they feel a part of your classroom. And I think that's important for every single one of them in our classroom is they have to feel that connection with us and know, hey, you're important to me. Hey, I value you. You know, you're special to me. And so spending that classroom community and really taking the time is is huge. And I always say, you know, relationships over everything. Even when I talk about, you know, the procedures and the how to do it, more than anything, the classroom community and those relationships you foster with your students are going to get you through anything that you come across. If you have that mutual respect between you and students, you guys can get through anything. You know, say you you give them access to the band-aids and someone goes over there, pulls down all the band-aids, puts them all over their body when everyone's supposed to be doing centers. Okay, well, let's use our relationship that we've built to get through that. You know, we, of course we, we're going to talk about classroom management strategies, but Hey, you know, I really trusted you to be able to use those band-aids. And, you know, I noticed that you had a really hard time with that. You know, what happened? And it's just like, again, taking that time to, you know, you know, like what, what, why did, you know, why did we do this? And it's not like scolding them. It's not punishing them. It's understanding the why and then showing them like, Hey, but you know, I trusted you and you kind of broke my trust. So like, how can we move forward with this? And just, you know, of course they're little, but they're still humans. And like, we can still have conversations with them and show them that they're part of this as much as we are. And I think that's really huge for students. And it really does get you through any sticky situation that you have when that comes up during the year. I also think it's amazing, and I think you're the best person to do it as a first grade teacher, 
Because sometimes when we hear things that are done in fifth grade, then lower elementary is like, oh, well, I can't do that because my kids are so little oh, or vice versa. You know, but if you right. can do that in first grade, yes. then I think you can trust any of your kids as long as you have those procedures, as long as you have the community. Yes. I don't want to say anybody could do it, but it feels right. like it's doable if you put the time and energy into it. And that's what I say, because I have a lot of kindergarten teachers ask me, especially when we start talking about flexible seating, kindergarten teachers are like, well, can I really do that in my classroom? Or, you know, will that really work for me? And I'm like, yes, if it can work with beginning of the year first graders, which are like lost cats, which I know, of course, beginning of their kindergarten is much different because they've already had a whole year. But if beginning of the year first graders can do it, yes, kindergartners can absolutely do it. And I see it and I know that it works. You know, I have lots of people who have joined who say, this works for me. This works in my classroom. This works with kindergartners too. We don't, we don't want to just like toss it to the side and say, well, they can't handle it or, you know, they're too little. But again, it's like, we have to empower them. We have to show them. Yes, you can. And it's like, and give them that confidence too. Cause I even see that with the beginning of your first graders are like, I can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. And you're going to do it. And it's going to be great. And it's like, they, you know, you just got to show them that like, yes, you got this, you know? Um, I want to talk also a little bit about, you said spending six weeks, and some people might say, well, we're starting day one, we have a timeline that's set by the district, or we have a curriculum map, or whatever. Mm -hmm. When we say six weeks, we're not spending all day, every day for six weeks, so could you talk a little bit, and maybe it varies by the classroom, what would it look like spending six weeks as far as like the amount of time you're dedicating each day? Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I, I always get all kinds of comments when I say that. People are like, well, what are you doing for six weeks? Are you just having a party? It's like, well, no, we're not having a party. But, you know, I always like to say the, the first and, you know, of course, again, I do teach little humans. So, like, we do spend a lot of time at the beginning of the year because they need more help. Of course, when you teach fifth grade, you don't need to spend as much time. But, you know, the first solid two weeks, we literally are. We are you know, reading tons of books. We are building a classroom promise together. We are practicing literally everything in the classroom. And we'll talk about that when I talk about more procedures, but like, how do we enter the classroom? How do we leave? How do we hang our backpacks? How do we get water? Literally teaching them everything so that they know all of their expectations in the classroom. And so the first two weeks, we really are doing tons, tons of team building activities, tons of get to know you activities. We're doing lots of movement because if you think about even again, like our fifth graders, no matter how old our kids are or middle school, they've just had a whole summer off. They've had a ton of time that maybe they're doing stuff academically. Maybe they're not. Maybe they didn't get enough sleep. You know, we don't know what their summer was like. And so giving them the time to get back into routines, you know, slowly build in routines, let them have lots of movement, let them talk. That's one thing I noticed a couple of years ago. One of my favorite back to school activities is find a friend bingo. So it, it's a great way to get students up moving and talking to each other, which, you know, I had this group, man, they were so chatty, but I like, I, I recognize that and I let them do it. I built in time to give them the talk and socialize because I was like, okay, these kids, they clearly need it. And I'm not going to get anything through to them because they want to talk and it's fine. And so building that time into let them socialize with friends, let them get to know each other, let them get to know new students. And so during those first two weeks, really spending a lot, pretty much our entire time, like maybe we'll start to like shift into our routine a little bit, but really the first two weeks are tons of team building, tons of procedures, tons of just get to know you stuff. 
then, you know, again, with first grade starting usually week three, okay, week three, we're going to like get into our routine a little bit more. We're going to start to like, okay, this is our writing time. Let's go ahead and do an activity linked to writing. Okay, this is our reading time. Okay, let's read a book and let's talk about the characters or let's, you know, talk about the setting and start to like build in some of those standards as we go. But again, the main focus overall is always that getting to know you time and, you know, practicing those procedures. So it's like, even if we're going to like, quote unquote, do our reading time, then we're going to, okay, how do we sit down on the carpet together? How do we learn? How do we work with a partner? And those are the things that we're practicing. Because then this is something I always tell teachers, if you spend the six weeks, solid six weeks, focusing on these things, then I promise you, not only will you catch up to that curriculum you may have missed, you will be able to speed through it because they know all the expectations. They know exactly what to do because you've spent the time doing it and you've allowed them the space to be able to practice and say, okay, we all need to spend a lot of time doing this. And then you can just you know, hit the ground running. Another one of my favorite quotes that I always use is go slow to go fast. So during those first six weeks of school, take the time, spend the time, and then you can hit the ground running. I'm telling you, it's like right after those six weeks, of course, you know, with first graders, you need a little bit more time, but they are just ready to hit the ground because they know exactly what to do. And then even if you need to go back and review, uh oh, like we're struggling, <laughs> like, let's see, what do we need to do? How do we practice? Or, you know, what is our expectation for this? And so I think that's a good segue into our last of that three piece puzzle, which is that classroom management, which of course, when you when you set up your classroom for students, you show them that you love them and care for them. Then you can teach them the how, which is that classroom management. And so something that I always teach, you know, teachers, when you're teaching procedures, this is huge. You talk about what it looks like and what it sounds like. And for every single procedure, which may seem daunting, but when you do it that way, you make a huge difference. And so one example that I love to use is lining up. So when you are ready to teach that expectation to students, you're going to role model for them and you're going to show them exactly what it looks like, what it almost looks like and what it doesn't look like. And this is where it gets fun for them, because, of course, it can be really boring talking about all these procedures, especially in the first two weeks of school. But, you know, you show them what it looks like. So my hands are to my side. My eyes are facing forward. My voice is quiet. And that's the expectation. And then you tell them what it almost looks like. Okay, it almost looks like I'm ready to line up if my eyes are forward, but my hands are on my friend behind me. Or, you know, my eyes are forward, but my mouth is talking or something like that. So you're again, you're teaching them those really high expectations so they know exactly what to do and what to expect. And then, of course, their favorite, which, again, you're going to role play this, not them. <laughs> you're going to say what it doesn't look like. Well, I'm running up and down the line. I'm poking all my friends. And they just love it. They're like, no, that's not right. You know, they get so excited about it. And then after you spend the time role modeling the expectation, then it's time to practice. And this is where not only do you, you teach them all those things of what it looks like and doesn't, but then now you're going to have high expectations for each student in that line and show them every single one of you is going to show me what it looks like or, you know, we're not going to leave until everyone's doing it. And so when you show them like there's no wiggle room in those expectations and you show them exactly what you're expecting, then you then it's gold. It really is. It's like all those three things together literally make your classroom almost run itself. You can jumpstart into curriculum 
be ready to go because they know what their expectations are. They know that you care about them. And so now the whole goal of all this is to get them ready to learn. And so when we do all that, then they're ready to learn. And it's magic. <laughs> I also think too, like as a resource room teacher, I do probably some of that just instinctively. I could do it a little better or spend a little more time on it. But in a resource room setting, our time is precious. And it feels like over and over and over, I hear special education teachers say, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. 30 mm -hmm. minutes goes by so fast. You yeah. throw in transitions and you don't have 30 minutes. Yeah. So that to me is even a bigger reason or really shows the importance of why you have to get it together in those first six weeks of school so that the rest of the year you're actually learning. And when you pick up those students and they sit down at that table, it is done quickly and effectively and you make the most of the 28 minutes or 30 okay. minutes or whatever it is that you have. Well, and then if they're not ready, okay, well, let's go back and try again until we're ready. And it's like, yeah, even, and that's hard because it's like, we do feel that pressure, especially internally. We have stuff to do. We have a curriculum to get to. We only have a certain amount of time. But like you said, it's like when you spend the time and you do it, then it's like, after you've spent the time, okay, now it takes a quick one minute reminder. Oh, remember how we sit at the table. Oh, remember how we're ready to learn. And whereas you're not spending, you're not wasting 30 minutes every day, just getting them ready to learn. They're already ready to learn, you know? I also feel like, you know, having a sub would just instinctively be a little easier because your kids know what to do. That doesn't mean they're not going to take advantage of a sub or the situation, yeah. but then you also know, you know, the expectation. You know what you should be doing. You literally do it for me every day. Yeah. Having a sub in the room shouldn't make a difference. You are so right. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, years from when I've done that, and, you know, of course you have all kinds of groups of kids and all kinds of different problems that come up and behaviors that come up. But every time I can think of subs before I did this and after, and the subs when I did it after, like actually want to come back, whereas the subs before leave you this, these pages long of all the problems. And you're just like, well, what am I supposed to do about that? I'm not even here. Lindsay, your book is, I, I ordered it myself and I've been teaching for 10 years. And as I flipped through, I have not done everything in the book, but as I flipped through, I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought this was for new teachers. Almost like the book that we were given when we got our first job of, you know, the first six weeks of school. It's not that. Who is this book actually for? Who did you have in mind when you wrote it? And maybe who's had success with it since you've been selling it? Yeah. So, you know, I said when I, when I started working on it, I did initially start working on it for my student teacher that I had. And I was trying to support her. She was getting ready to go into the classroom for the first time. And I wanted her to be able to think through those things that I didn't have the opportunity to think through during my first year. And so initially, you know, I was like, oh, hey, this could help other first year teachers too. But then as I, as I edited it and revised it, because again, I, I, I wrote this thing six years ago and I have revamped it many a times. Again, with all my learning, I'm sure I can still go back and re <laughs> revamp it now. But, you know, as I went back and revamped it and as I got better at different things and I learned new things, then I realized, okay, this isn't just for new teachers. This is for any teachers who, 
you know, maybe you're having a really tough year and you just need more strategies in your toolbox. Maybe you know it's important to build a classroom community, but you're not really sure how to do it. Or maybe you just know my procedures can get better. And I, but I don't know how. And that's the thing as teachers, like, like you said, we're all lifelong learners. We all always gravitate towards new knowledge and want, you know, new strategies and new, new tools in our toolbox. And so that's what this is. It's just a guide to support you. It's a guide for anybody who wants, you know, new ideas, want to be less stressed, want to be less overwhelmed. And again, my, my whole thing about everything is that with this guide, my goal is that your classroom will almost run itself by the time you're done reading it, by the time you're done with your plan, because it's all of those things we've talked about. And of course, way more in-depth details, but it's all those things to help you feel less overwhelmed, put more responsibility on them. And even yes, those young littles and know that they can do it so that you walk away every day happier, less stressed and less overwhelmed. One of the biggest things that I think could help with that. Yes, you give great text for, you know, where here are some ideas. You even have pictures in color. The whole book is in color too. So it's like, you have lots of information, but one of my favorite parts as I was looking through and like kind of trying to dive in um, this summer was the workbook pages. Those are pure gold and I'm so glad you included them. How did that come about? Yeah. So that's, so that's kind of how the book started was with a, <laughs> it started with literally lists, pages of lists of questions. And that's what I was about to hand to my student teacher with all these questions. Good luck. <laughs> Here's all these questions you need to think about. When I was like, okay, wait, that's no, no one's going to start reading these questions. It's way too overwhelming. And so I knew all those questions, you know, cause I sat and thought for a long time about like, literally that that's my thing. And it's everything, all the things, classroom setup. Here are lists of questions. Classroom community, here are lists of questions. Classroom management, here are lists of questions. And so once for the probably third or fourth revision, <laughs> instead of just giving a list of questions, there was workbook pages created to help you, you know, literally write out your plan. And so again, that you can go back to refer to it. And, you know, that's what I've had teachers tell me is like, it's really beneficial to like, go back and look at that because you have a new group in front of you or you have a, you're in a new school or whatever it is, is you can go back and refer to that. And that is the reason why this was actually a PDF for a long time. And my, oh, my brainchild this summer was I went through and, oh my gosh, formatting. Woo. That was a lot, but I went through and formatted it all these pages so that it literally could be a printable book because I know myself, I printed out the PDF and got it bound and oh, that was a lot of money. But of course it's like, you want to be able to, and you know, I don't, I know there are a lot of teachers who are digital, but I also know a lot of teachers who like to sit and write stuff out and that's me. And so I wanted to physically have a book where you can, you know, earmark pages, have a book where you can literally write in your, your plan and go back and refer to it and, you know, be able to see your work and add to it as either the year goes on or the years go on and you say, oh, wait, you know, I need to, this, this needs to get better. Or I found about this idea that I like and just giving you this, I'm my, my ultimate goal is it becomes just very worn and well-used and well-loved that it's just like your little guide that you go to every year. I was literally just thinking that whenever you were like, as you were talking and dog earring pages and all the things, I'm like, this book needs to look like it's 
15 years old, even if you've only had it for like five years, it needs to look so worn and used because you're using it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, even in the middle of the year when you, you know, maybe it's October and you're like, okay, we forgot everything. (laughs) We don't know how to do anything. Let me go back and look. What did I write down? Okay, wait, let's go. I forgot to do that. Like, let's go back and do that again kind of thing. I even think too, at least as I was flipping through, I have a book study that I host every summer and we always talk about, you know, you read new books and you get all these great ideas, but then sometimes we forget the things that we do really well. And so in our discussions, we always talk about what do you do well and what do you want to try? In your workbook, you can kind of start thinking like, oh, I do this really well. I've got to jot that down so I don't forget. Amanda, you do these good, you know, these things really, really well. Don't lose it while you're adding in all these other pieces. And so for some, as I was writing, it's like, oh, good. You know, you're doing really well with that. Now here are three things you can do to ramp it up a notch or look at another aspect or, or whatever it might be. So I like the workbook pages for that reason. It gives you a spot to think about the things that you kick butt at. Yeah. And then look at the things that are kicking your butt so that you can improve those things. Before we conclude, though, I do want you to tell listeners explicitly how they can find your book and um, then even social media, website, that kind of thing. Where are you on the Internet and what will they find when they get there? So I guess I should have started with that. If you don't know already, I'm Lindsay Sauer at Sweet and Sour Percy's. You can find me on Instagram. Instagram is my jam. I give lots of tips and tricks on Instagram. Um, This guide is now available on Amazon, which makes me really happy. It's called The Beginning of the Year Survival Guide. You can even type my name. Hopefully it pops up. I haven't tried that yet, but we can only hope. Um, And then if you don't follow my blog, you should definitely check my blog out because I just take those ideas and expand on them further. You know, I just created the ultimate guide to flexible seating, which has been really supportive for a lot of teachers who are ready to dive back into that after the pandemic or, you know, tendons for building your classroom community, just more in-depth details. There are more ideas, of course, again, because the original, this originally was, you know, published in, you know, uh, six years ago. And so has been revamped, but my blog is always ever changing with new and current ideas. And so it's just more support there. And that's where you can find me on my little slice of the internet. Which is so helpful and exactly what I think teachers need post pandemic as we're trying to get back to what school felt like before rebuilding that community. Re, I, I just at my school, maybe others have already gotten there, but I just want to see all of our kids so excited to come to school and so excited to grow and learn and like reignite yeah. that school is a great place to be yeah. that that I think was lost a little bit. Absolutely. Well, especially when we had all these rules and mandates and regulations to follow and wear masks and, oh, we have to be home again. I mean, it's been a lot for us, for kids this past couple of years. And that is one thing that I really tried to help teachers with this year is even find a love of themselves for education again, because we know it's been a lot the past few years and all the expectations on us, we are burned out too. And so that's always my hope is to help you feel 
the way I feel, if you can't tell already, listen to me, <laughs> I'm very passionate about this. I'm very passionate about education and I'm very passionate about helping teachers. And that's why I created this guide and help you feel that love and excitement again, too, because I know it's, it's been a lot. It definitely has. But I think your book will help a lot of teachers. And I'm so glad you took the time to do it. Yes, I am so thankful you had me on to share about it because, man, it has been a journey with this book. And But I'm glad it's finally published and able to be held in hands and earmarked as it should be. <laughs> yes, yes. And well-loved and well-used. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. And you have a great day, Lindsay. I'm so glad we got to talk today. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I really appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.